Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Oh man, I feel lost. Tell me more. I feel like I'm lost in a canyon. Is it possibly at the bottom of the canyon that represents a gap between innovation of big companies and small companies? I mean, just guessing, just throwing, just throwing well, something, just shooting from the hip here. I mean, I, I think in multiple ways, I was thinking about like my personal life. But yeah, I think you're right. Is I that mean, what you want to talk about here on the podcast? <laughs> I mean, I, I, maybe that's what we want to hear. Yeah. And, well, there we go. Let's let's just introduce our guest while right. you ponder your recent personal decisions lost. and maybe your past as well. So with us today is someone we both know, and I'm really happy to have here, Darcy Howe, who is the managing director of the KC Rise Fund. Hi, Darcy. Matt, Matt. Great to be with you today. We appreciate you coming in. We will not be talking about my personal, like, you know, valley of death. Of We're going to be talking about entrepreneurs and companies and big big and small. We but are. I, I think as an entrepreneur, though, a lot of times we feel like we're lost in a canyon. Yes. Yeah. That's where I feel most days. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that comes with the territory. <laughs> and there's employees and customers on either side <laughs> of the canyon, I think, and I'm Wait, lost in the middle. So where are the investors uh <laughs> Run in that in that oh. like, side of the lost. Are they at the bottom? Are they at the bottom of the well, canyon uh, with me? Uh, I don't know. But yeah, well, on some level, and hopefully we're not taking a totally different turn. I mean, you have to worry about the employees and the clients and the product that you offer yeah. and bridging that gap. And if you can do that, then the investors will actually see the results of what they're doing. But you know, and you, Darcy, you are, to give a little background. Um, for those listening, let's talk about the KC Rise Fund for just a second. So there's a little context about what you do because you, well, quite forwardly, you hand out a lot of money to those that you and the fund feel are investment worthy. It's true. And uh, we are part of, I'd say what the KC Rise Fund represents is the future of how investors and how um, entrepreneurs think about uh, growing businesses. And what I mean by, by that is the um, we're regional. So we are a regional fund. Like why would anybody invest in a regional fund and why would a regional fund even exist? And it's because so many cool things are being built outside of the coasts. Right. And it was very clear that the coasts are super organized about the way they connect on talent and money and ideas and rinse and repeat. They're really good at all of that. And we're not so good at that. We're newer at it. We're, we're uh, you think we would have pioneered it. We are the pioneers out here in the middle of the country, but um, we're pretty far behind in that. So we saw an opportunity as uh, I think of myself as a capital entrepreneur, sure. saw, saw an opportunity to bridge that gap and connect um, great ideas, people who have great businesses they're starting to build and bring the capital to them and help the capital learn how to be uh, good uh, early stage investors. It's very different. I spent my entire career as an asset manager helping families um, you know, invest their money. And what early stage is, is not like the public markets. It's very 
It takes a tremendous amount of discipline um, and, uh, and a lot of fortitude. And so it's trying to help investors also learn that out here in the Middle West. When you mention discipline, you're just like, obviously, when anytime you're a known or institutional or any type of investor, you get a lot, well, you see a lot of pitches to put it in baseball terms and you can't swing at every single one of them. So is that the discipline you're talking about? Like it's the discipline of, of the understanding, the pattern recognition of what, who has that grit to make it work. Great ideas are boy, a lot dime a dozen. You can get a lot of at bats with great ideas, but, but really getting a stellar um, major league baseball player at the bat is uh, understanding what that looks like. What does that player look like? And what are a couple of the traits that make someone stand out? Super grit. How do you how do you see super grit uh, when I get too many things in my inbox and you're still pestering me and needling me and trying to figure out how to make a connection and bring value? Show me what you're worth. Show, not just the, the the time element of gee, you know, I'm going to put her back on my CRM and you know bugger again, but it's more like how, what are you showing me that I can have data points that go wow? How bad do you want it? And there are eight data points, and I might do a little checking on somebody else. Hey, has somebody been talking to you too? And how to and just looking at data points that um, can determine, help determine um, <clears throat> how that individual is seeing how they're developing that business. Developing the business is the secret sauce, right? It is to me more than the idea because a lot of people had great ideas. If you read um, uh, uh, Victor Huang's book, Rainforest, where he talks about the actual idea for Google came up in Lawrence, Kansas, in our own backyard. Two professors, two professors at KU had essentially an idea that became Google, but not didn't become Google because they didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't have the people around them that understood how special what they did was and how to help them build that. That's where the coasts have been really great. And we're getting better. We're actually, I think, really in Kansas City, where I live and where you guys live, I think we're getting damn good at it. But it's that kind of leads into what we were going to talk about today, because you're saying here's some guys with did uh, they come up with the concept for something like Google, and then you have big companies, you have small companies, and you know you you have a lot of input and thoughts about the gap that you know because well we look at full scale we've got we got big enough fast enough. And I was just saying the other day to someone, I said, man, my life, it was so much easier in many ways to take over the world when we had 10 people than when we had 200. And it's like the analogy of trying to turn a battleship around in a swimming pool. You know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to make change, the harder it is to make decisions, the harder it is sometimes to get consensus. And, you know, so how did the, how did the startup in the early stage or even middle stage companies work with the publicly traded it's so hard. Well, first of all, it's hard for the for the bigger companies to actually turn around and you know that battleship in the middle of the Panama Canal. It's so hard because and understand their job, why they're successful. Their job is to stay in their lane, be really, really good in their lane. Hey guys, taking a pick. <laughs> and by the way, on our Instagram page, we now have a whole section for the selfie stick. Oh, yeah. So if you want to Uh-oh. check us out at, at Startup Hustle podcast on Instagram, you can see all of my selfie stick pictures. So yeah, 
Well, and today I'm wearing my I'm going out and raising money look. So next time, you know, I'm going to wear my T-shirt look of working with entrepreneurs. But we digress. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you a full scale T-shirt to come back and follow. I actually do want to have you back at some point because you have such amazing input and um, information and advice for those wanting to raise money, which is such a huge topic in our world, you know. Yeah. And so we talk about the stages of companies and big companies, you know, it's harder for them to move and they're big machines and whatever. And one of the funny things that happened at, at Venn Solutions, I, I don't know if you've heard me say this before. I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast before, but we got to a place where we were growing so fast. Um, we were increasing our monthly recurring revenue by like a hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 a month, right? Wow. Which is a huge clip. And we were still making a lot of changes to the software. We were still innovating. We were releasing new things and all this stuff. But as part of that, we have some problems, right? Like we roll out new software and it doesn't work. Or how do we train all the salespeople on how to sell this new thing? Or if we want to change the price, all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, how do we train 50 salespeople that there's a new price? And how do we do our quoting and send out proposals? And we have all these brochures and we have to change the price on it. Like, Everything becomes like this big project, which seems easy at the beginning. But at one time, my main business partner came to me and he's like, Matt, we are killing our competitors. We literally don't need to make one more change to the software. He said, if anything, you would help us by not making a change. Because when you make a change and shit breaks, and then all of our customers call the next morning and our whole support team is derailed by all of these calls, it's worse for us. He's like, we would literally be better off if you didn't change anything in the software from now on. And in the short run, that probably was right, right? And it's just crazy, though. Like, that that's where we got. Like, we were crushing our competitors. We had an amazing product. It was growing. It was scaling. But in some sense, we were, we were as a team, almost deciding to take less risk. Yeah. Do, but, do you think which is what big corporations yeah. have, right? Like, do you think that's where it starts, Darcy? It's like you, uh, as you are winning as a big company and, I don't know. I agree. Every part about everything you just said about that's, that was my point from earlier. When you have to make a change and it affects 30 people, it's way easier than two. And and at that time, this was a company that was doing somewhere between 20 and 30 million a year in revenue, right? Like, so when you're doing 3 million a year in revenue, 5 million, 10 million, you know, obviously you get to some big company, you're doing billions, right? Like there's many stages along the way. And things change, right? At some point in time, they just get harder and harder well, to innovate, it, to take ex- risk. So the example you just used, you didn't really have an awareness of how to build a process to make change. So you were just hustling and building and hustling yeah, and building. We were. And if, if entrepreneurs understand, and part of that is getting a business person on your team, Right. Technical founders are so amazing because they've got incredible abilities to find a product market fit that they know. But having that business person in there, like a COO or whatever, to just say, okay, how are we going to, we got to have change. We got to, we need somebody who's in charge of building that process for when change happens. We lo- we lacked a ton of process and procedures for yeah, sure. We, we had a bunch of cowboys running the whole, the whole thing and I was one of them. Well, big companies have the same, bigger companies have the same problem. And I'd say one. Well, in, they, they have the opposite problem. They have a lot of process and procedure, but they have no innovation. No, they have, they have process and procedure, but they have no sense of urgency. So, yes, so true. what, what so happens true. at the very top of big companies today, most of them are more my age, kind of the baby boomer, 
life happen. You know, we were literally pre-internet. We, our beginning of our careers were a slower pace where you're literally you're looking at pink slips of people returning phone calls and you're going at, and just think, those are the people who now are in charge of this real time, just accelerated pace. And they've built teams around them that build process the way they understood process. And the younger well, and, the, and, and younger our companies, CEOs get, the better it's going to be, I think, for young companies to deal with big companies. Well, and those companies are like, hey, we grew 10% this year. We had a great year. Right. Which is totally different than like if you're a startup, you're like, oh, we got to grow like 100% this year. We were, I was talking. Like, it's a whole different world from it's that not perspective, even the pers- it, I think the difference, too, is not how much did you grow this year, but – how did you grow relative to your industry and your competitors? Because Kansas City's got this problem where our competitors, which are Indianapolis and New York and uh, you know Dallas, Chicago, Denver, Austin, Denver, yeah. Austin. You know where did the talent? Where would the talent go? Well, we're growing, but those places are growing faster. They're figuring out how to have that factor where people want to be attracted there. And I think that's this this it's the universal issue we have in today, which is the pace of change is accelerating. What kind of process do we have to to capitalize on that? And where large companies can't do that easily internally, that's a huge thing to, to accelerate that process, uh, that change process. What they can do is bring in young companies like yours and others to to uh, build in that sense of urgency because you guys deal in real time much more quickly. So you are modeling the way for their the larger corporations team that's dealing with that's working with you, and you've built something that internally it would have taken them months and years to build. You've already built it. You're off the shelf. And, and many of the CEOs are so, so used to, we got to build it ourselves, really, until the cloud came around where they were building it themselves. I was at Merrill Lynch for, for over three decades. And man, we just knew there was nothing else out there to do what we needed to do. So we had to build it ourselves until Bloomberg came along and Reuters came along and built uh you know, systems that we could plug and play and, and not have to build it ourselves. And that's what, that's what early stage companies do is they help big companies. Uh, you've already built it for them. They can just plug and play. They just got to figure out that connector. Right. That, and th- But that's good for the early companies too. Cause I mean, the part of what you're, I mean, I, le- I think most people are seeking is a big check. I mean, they're buying you in many cases now. Um, First, it, they want to do business with you. Big, big, the big companies are buying growth too. Like the point, my point earlier, like though they only grew ten percent a year, which is a lot. It's harder to get ten percent when you're talking about a billion yeah. than it is when so, you but, are going from. Because if you look at our numbers at full scale, June over June, because we now finally have a, a whole year to compare. I mean, technically, we're up like nine hundred percent. But, yeah, I mean, last can, June was been like zero. It wasn't zero, but <laughs> like, it, I mean, it yeah. was, yeah. It, but it'll it, be hard to do that in the next 12 yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. Harder. Well, so, we're going to do that. So but I think but most, how about year three, four, and five? And that's yeah. when that, that – so some of that is definitely unsustainable. So so there's a few things here to talk about. So like one of Stackify's key competitors is a company called New Relic, right? They're publicly traded now. I don't know how much – I don't remember what the revenue is. So it's, it's like $300 million a year. So if their goal is to grow 20% a year, 40% a year, they've got to – They've got to add a lot of revenue, right? So now, how do they do that? They got to sell a bajillion little accounts, or they got to focus all their efforts mm-hmm. on getting some big fish. So or they can go buy you, or they can go acquire. They can go acquire people, right, to to get growth. And so that's why these companies do this. And 
they, for example, are, are focused more on larger accounts. They're chasing big accounts that are spending big money because they've got to move the, the needle really big. They're focused on other enterprise accounts. Well, that creates an opportunity for my company because they're not focused on small and medium-sized accounts. They're just, they're pricing, how they sell their product, all that is, is focused on the enterprise. And, but that's what happens with a lot of companies as they start out. They're, they're focused on, say, one, one part of the market, one part of the niche, you know, one niche, and all of a sudden they get bigger. They need to grow faster. So they're focused on bigger accounts, different types of accounts, whatever. But one of the interesting things, too, when, I, uh, when we sold Vin Solutions to AutoTrader, I got to go to the board meeting for AutoTrader. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done, actually. What did you learn? Um, I got to meet a couple billionaires. That was pretty cool. Um, but it was just really, I'd never been to a board meeting of like a giant company. And this was a company that did hundreds of millions a year in revenue. So it was pretty cool. But one of the things they talked about is like their company charter was to grow 14% a year. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the ways they have to do that is to do acquisitions that, you know, their core product is only going to grow so fast. Maybe it only continues to grow 5% a year, 10% a year, but they can take all the profits from that and drive them into other things that are growing much faster than they are, which is why they bought Vin Solutions. Vin Solutions was growing at a very fast pace, right? But um, it's just really cool to see how they think about that. And that's why these companies have to do acquisitions is for them to grow. Think about something like AOL today. How would they even exist if they hadn't done acquisitions? I Their core product is dead. Okay. Right? Quick not, AOL. Not at my dad's house, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> But I was just going to point. That's why these. That's why addresses. these companies have to do acquisitions. They have to buy the little companies. Okay, I got a quick AOL story. You know, when AOL went public in the early '90s, what that IPO size was? No. Guess. A billion dollars. Five million. Ten million dollars. Yeah. A ten million dollar early '90s. That was what tech looked like in the early '90s. They were raising ten million. That's not the company. Or was that their market no, no, cap? That, no, no, that was their raise. That's how much they needed mm. to raise was ten million. So, but let which me today but, would be a joke. So, but but think about it this way: Who made money on AOL? Mom and pop made money because that went public when AOL was still a pretty young company, and individual investors who are not the big shots got to make money off of that. Who made money off of Uber going public? These Goldman dudes. Sachs, the big yeah. shots, yeah. The big shots have so much money. They'll do roll-ups. They'll do the whole, they'll hold companies out to be, uh, you know, private forever because they got a lot of money to do that. Now that didn't exist back in the early These 90s. big PE groups now control everything. Like that's one thing is talk about the CEO retreat is how the public market is slowly dying and it's, it's being replaced by PE markets. I would look at it and say investors. That's not always bad though, because it's part of the you guys are we're talking about innovation and the lack thereof and acquiring companies. So much of that is about satisfying the the needs that publicly traded markets have for certain metrics like growth and yeah. profit per you know. PE well, guess ratios what? They can't get and, it in Uber at least not right away yeah. because it was all used up by the big, uh, you know, the big players, the big money players. The, so I, I think it's. That kind of change, it just gives you one idea of change in a few decades on just on capital um, is is we got to adapt to that. People have to figure out how to adapt to that and how to make money. And I would say in the public markets, just one last thing about the public markets, because that's where I came from, is we used to all the alpha, alpha being excess return over the average, all the alpha 
was in the public market. I mean, there was so much discovery because there wasn't that much information. Now there's so much nanosecond information on all kinds of things that it's difficult to make money in the public markets or alpha return over the markets. And therefore, where do you go to get alpha? I've been touting this with investors for the last couple of years once I you know, started figuring out the whole venture side. Private equity. So alpha or return is in the private markets. First, private equity, which are more EBITDA kind of companies. And then you know, down to where we are, which is the early stage, high growth, yeah. uh, in our case, technology companies, is where you can get alpha. It's riskier because it's it's illiquid. It takes a while to know. You got to. You know, it might have been a greedy founder who had a stupid idea. I mean, if you, you know, can invest in a private equity fund that produces a ten to fifteen percent annual rate of return, that's a pretty solid investment. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just going back to the world has changed. We yeah. have to figure out how to change. I'd like to give you a different example. The one you gave about a big corporation and needing to innovate by just buying. That's a big that's a big topic right now. And the big corporations have a lot of money too. Private equity has money. Big corps have money. Um, they are doing well. Acquisition makes a ton of sense. And they are building up their venture arms of their companies to do just that. Let's do business with these young companies. Let's let's get to know them. Boy, they really fit well. Where do they? How do they fit? Okay, let's just go buy them. There's another situation going on today, which is, and I'm using H&R Block as an example. One of our iconic hometown companies, Henry Block, who just died a couple of weeks ago, and um, and his brother uh, R. Richard H&R built this company. There wasn't even a business called tax preparation until these guys came about and 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 built the industry. And somewhere along the way, they didn't in accelerate their innovation. Somewhere along the way, TurboTax and all these other online figured out how to innovate in the business, the industry in which they actually created and just took their just took their shirt, right? They each and our block has been in trouble for the last not in trouble, but it really had a tough time in the last uh, almost decade. And the new CEO now, Jeff Jones, who was at Uber, who was a chief marketing officer at Target, you know, super good guy, comes into town, breath, you know, breath of fresh air in our city, and goes, we never should have ceded that business to TurboTax. Are you kidding? We own that business. Now we need to figure out who are the right people in the right chairs. How do we make decisions going forward? We don't make that mistake again, and we regain what we lost, and we become the innovators again in our business. That's really hard to do in a big business. I'm seeing some of that. I had a firsthand exposure, and I can't mention names here, but we have a client that had a publicly traded company acquire part of them. And as we were making the switch and they were increasing their team at full scale, I got a chance to talk to some of them and, and said, so you guys have a four, I literally said this, you guys are a $4 billion market cap company. You have stores everywhere. Why this? And they said, because we need to learn how to be entrepreneurs again. They, I mean, this was literally the response. They said, we've gotten complacent with the mall and all these different things. And, and so these companies are, are, well, at least that one, I thought I, that was very eye-opening for me. I, and just to hear someone say that from such a big company. But the problem with big companies is they're not very innovative and entrepreneurial, partly because guys like us, guys and gals like us who are, couldn't even work there. I'm not employable. I can't I know, work I'm not there. We've, like if we've both determined that. Like we're H &R both H &R unemployable. Like H&R Block came to me and said, you know, Matt, we think you could we, you could do this. And I'm like, 
screw that. I don't want to work for you. I don't know. I, their innovation I I, team, their innovation team worked it. at the Sprint Accelerator for about six months. Now they, they couldn't afford it. They went, you know, they got to re reconstitute this. But at the time when I saw their innovation team, let's see, uh, it was an African-American woman in dreadlocks. There was, I mean, there were some people who really stereotypically just by looking at them had a different vibe from a corporate kind of vibe. They were off campus. This is the other cool thing. Maybe we can talk about Keystone Innovation District one of these sure. days, because that's just what we're building to. And Ke Kevin's coming in to talk about oh, that good, soon. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin McGinnis, because yeah. I mean, it's what's happening. It's brilliant. There's, it's, it's, and other cities have done this. They've done that. They're 10 or 15 years ahead of us. We got to get with the program. But where you're going with this is that they segregated the, uh, the innovative innovation. and creative people into a different environment. And that kind of defeats the purpose, right? It, well, it allowed them to work and build and not be encumbered by this stay in your lane stuff. That's part of why I do what I do, honestly. Like I didn't own a suit for two and a half years. <laughs> I really didn't. I bought one last fall. Because? Because, well, A, I had to go to a wedding and B, I was honestly worried that if someone died, I wouldn't be able to get, I wouldn't look respectable Aww. at the funeral. Just saying. You I mean, just like, want an excuse to wear the gold tie. I had that before the suit. I <laughs> See, I yeah, told you. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but but what you but that's I feel like that's. By that's the way, what I have it, my golden shoes just because when I hang out with you guys, I got I'm not wearing yeah. them today. But I, should. I have a nice pair on today. I'll, I'll post <laughs> oh. those on Instagram too. Some of my favorites. But um, but I think that that's a and the and for the next gen coming up that that's really important. Uh, people have asked me. They're like, "Well, what do you wear to work?" Or whatever. I'm like, "Dude, I work in." around tech people i wear shorts i could show up to work and flip-flops i mean let's look at watson today yeah i got shorts on more of a baseball cap yeah. i am going to a baseball game you today are too. you're looking yeah. more like you're wearing your you know, like uva colors with your orange and blue and you're a virginia you cavaliers fan no nah, i don't know he didn't know he didn't know <laughs> i don't really care if i match i'm not gonna be on camera or anything i'd say <laughs> like right now in forehead, <laughs> yeah. wave yeah. hi <laughs> Corporations, though, they get that. They understand that. They understand these baby boomers who are running it now have middle manager people who are who are younger than baby boomers, who are they themselves are scratching their heads. Like, how can I work with these people in their twenties? And they want to have, you know, they feel entitled. All these things, and yet, I think that the, it's so exciting to see the workforce change. Let's, hey, hey, we baby boomers done it all so great that we've left the world so great for everybody else. No, that's why you're innovating. That's why there's so many challenges that you're finding problems to solve. And the more we listen to the people who are innovating what's going on and how do they need to work? Where do you need to work? You need to work from home. You need to work from, you know, I'm working from Michigan for part of this summer, by the way. I'm, nice. I'm modeling the way. Right? I, I have, I, I think that, one of the things to speed increase and just improve innovation is to remove layers of bullshit. For sure. Just like, and that's one of the things that as we were building full scale that we, we figured out very quickly. We're like, cause the standard model with remote teams was you talk to someone's project manager and then <laughs> they bring something back. It was like, well, I wouldn't want to do that. I want to talk to the people that are helping me innovate. I want to have firsthand exposure with them. So we eliminated that. We said, you know, said our clients want to direct, talk directly to our team. So we figured out how to make that happen. I mean, it was a little challenge at first. Would you agree? And then smoothed out. Yeah. I mean, everything you, you learn from your initial lessons and you just figure yeah. out how to get better at it. Yeah. But I think that those layers, and I think that's one of the issues that exists with a large company. And even when it comes to doing business with the small companies, it's like 6,000 steps. 
of well, everything. That's but, one of the things that kills us at Stackify is we get these like hundred questions, MSS, uh, RFPs, or, uh, RFPs or security yeah. questionnaires. And it's like, oh my god, who even reads this crap? We have to well, we had, we had one, we had one, and once again, won't name, but someone had returned our MSA, and it was three times longer than when we gave it to them, just in case. I, big corps, let's just say the enlightened ones are starting to get that. You want to do business with, just like, you know, people in middle age want to do business with younger uh, talent. You got to figure out how to do business with them. One of the things that we've done at the Casey Rice Fund is we have relationships with about 18 big corps around town so that when one of our portfolio companies or any company comes to us and says, man, I wish I, I'd really love to get into H&R. I'd like, I'd like to sell something to them or Hallmark or, or Cerner or whomever, Sprint. I've got somebody who is in charge. They may not be the innovation person. They are the person in charge at that company that if I call, they will fast track that request to the right person. Now, the young company has to sell it themselves, but well, we're, and that's one of the best we're going to get them in there. That, it could be three to six months. And that's faster. one of the best ways that those companies can help support the local startup community, right, is by utilizing their products and services if possible. Absolutely. You know. Well, and so back to you, you can use H&R Block as the example. There are three companies right now who are trying to do business with them who I think could help them. And so we have our fast track person who is working with those ideas to see whether, in fact, that's and we have relationships. Uh, CEOs, you guys literally CEO. have a fast track person like you ha you keep someone there to overcome that issue. No, I mean, it's somebody who has raised their hand, somebody who I've asked. And in that case, we've got somebody in HR, somebody in marketing, and 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 a couple other folks, who have said, "Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a look at that, or I'll help get that to the right place." Often, it has nothing to do with the innovation. They just are excited about what's going on in Kansas City. And that's they what we want need. To be helpful. That's what we need. I mean, I don't. We need more of them. Eighteen is nothing. How many hundreds of companies do we have? I mean, we don't at, need at Stackify, we don't have H and R Block as a customer. Well, it's the same thing. We don't it's have like Sprint you said, as a customer, or we Garmin, get, we get or that at Cerner, or anything. we get that at Gigabook. They want to sign up for like a hundred dollar a month account, and then they'd send us like an RFP that was ridiculous. Like answer these hundred questions, fill out all this stuff, and I just throw them in the trash. They're I'm like, I can't. Still... I need to keep you as a client for like a thousand years to. You justify know who's this. figuring that out? I, it's really interesting to see the military is starting to figure that out. They know they have critical needs for. The, I saw one the other day of the helmets for women warfighters are too heavy. They put, they have all of these this technology in the helmet. Women's necks can't support that helmet as well. They're looking for innovation on that helmet. They're looking for innovation on what if they have bad food, somebody deliberately or not deliberately puts, uh, you know, gives them bad food in Afghanistan. How do we, how can we identify that? We've got a young company that we're putting in front of the Air Force for that. So the, the military has figured out through a couple of places AF Works, W-E-R-X, AF Works for the Air Force. Um, uh, they're not coming to me now, but um, there are a couple of them that are W-E-R-X. Just you can just Google, uh, you know, fast track ideas for the military. And there's several of them where that it can be, a, it's a short time frame. It's a short um, uh, uh, application process. And if it's an idea they like, and by the way, they don't want you to be your young company to be so dependent on the military that if they said no after a while that you would go bankrupt. So they, they want to help you to develop a product or uh, that can or, or software or whatever that can be used commercially as well. So they will actually give you non-dilutive money and be a customer 
I mean, think about that. Yeah, what if, what if our corporations would do that sort of thing? So we think a lot at, at the Casey Rice Fund and some of the other things that I'm doing with the, the hashtag back to KC for talent. And I love that, by the way. KC do you know what that is? Yeah, I went to one of those events. You were... went to a KC Invest Ed event. I went to one. That oh, you was went to the back to KC. Back to KC event. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry. I love yeah, that. You did. We're gonna Jessica Powell's gonna come in. I was supposed to be one of the. Um, yeah. I don't know what what that yeah. was like. One of the locals that was partnering. Yeah. Yep. With yeah, the, you were supposed to be a, yeah. an ambassador. So ambassador. We're gonna bring. We're gonna use the startup hustle to bring someone cool back to Kansas City. I'm positive of it. Positive of it. You know what? You know what else is cool? Hey, let's. You know what? Can I make that pitch just right here? Do it. If you grew up here, went to school in this from the Kansas City region. Rock Chalk Jayhawks. Sorry. And many others, uh, other universities. <laughs> I don't acknowledge uh, them. <laughs> you didn't graduate from KU either. I, I didn't graduate from four other schools either. That doesn't mean I like K-State. All right. So, but if you are listening to this and you grew up in this area and you are either on the um, tech or business side of a technology company, or you are in capital markets or you're a consultant, we and you're between, let's just say, late 20s, uh, mid 40s. We'd love to talk to you and want to give you an incredible two-day experience yeah. of this is the Kansas City. You had no idea. Don't go, go staying in your mom's twin bed back in the you know your home. You just come down and stay in the hot 21C hotel, and we will show you what Kansas City is like. And we've been building some incredible relationships with some folks who used to. We were at a meeting. Was that last week at Entrepreneur with, the, with Kevin's meeting? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was there, you were there, and thank you for your passion about that. That was um, made me getting a golf for clumped that I'm yeah, just like, but yeah. that was that was that was moving actually. But <laughs> yeah. one of the things that that I brought up is like you know Kansas City, there's cool stuff here. Like it's cool. Like there's a lot of stuff here, man. Like I, and it's different than it was 20 years ago. Like our downtown's popping, man. Oh, it's yeah, just, it's it, I mean, it's even my wife was saying that the other night. She's like, wow, this is, I didn't even ever realize all this stuff was down there. until so we started going down to the Sprint Center in the Midland and stuff like there's, that. And there's like a hundred really cool bars and restaurants you've never heard of. Right there. Yeah. All right there. And, you know, I've spent, I've gone and done a lot of different things in a lot of different cities and been around music and all that. And like, it's, it's on par with you know good stuff. I mean, there's, there's everything here that Austin has or Denver. Well, maybe not Denver. But we don't a, have the mountains. A, we also don't have legal weed, which is one of the draws in Colorado. But just we saying. also don't have yeah. super expensive real estate, Denver real true. estate, and the traffic out there is true. bad. But also anyway. true. You know what's cool though that I want to do, and I know Darcy does too. I think Darcy wants to play mixtape. Yes. So mixtape, mixtape the game, which was just featured in Rolling Stone magazine as Whoa. one of the summer must-have items. You yeah. guys are just rocking on so many levels. Well, cool. this isn't us. We did invest in this, and there's a digital product coming soon that we're helping with. But Joel Johnson at Mixtape is the creator of this, and he's the one. So you want to talk about – let's talk about that for just a second. If this it, has to do with remembering who a – It's not a trivia game. It's okay, completely subjective. God. But this is where, <laughs> where we try to make a difference. So this was a non-standard product. They sold 49000 and change versions of this game in December. And they were having a hard time finding a partner to do a digital partnership with. Because they were City. selling the physical. Yeah, because it's different. This yeah. is different. It's a box. Mm-hmm. It's a game. Go to mixtape the game and check it out. Uh, mixtape the game.com and check it out. But I pulled a card. So we're, and we're like, we're making an app for this. It's, uh, by the way, can, can you just do. tell your audience what the mixtape, what mixtape is? Yeah, it's yeah. a, well, we've been playing it on every, on every episode. I and it maybe you'll hear it on this one. So we pull a card and it's got a scenario and we all name a song and then we vote. 
for each other and you can't vote for yourself. Okay. So this one is, is if you had, you only get one classic rock, rock song to listen to while stranded on a desert island, what would it be? And I'm going with Help by the Beatles. <laughs> Help, I need somebody. Oh, so does Help. it have to be germane to actually the situation you're in? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you're, oh, I mean, it I could see. maybe, it doesn't have to be related to Help. I mean, in this case, like it could just be your favorite song. Maybe you just want it. I've played this game. I'm it's similar name five albums or three or whatever that you would want to be stranded on an island with. But yeah, so you get you got a classic rock song, and why I'll give you a second to think about that. But you talk about non-standard things. I'm so, thinking Fleetwood Mac, but I'm which, which song? The first one that comes to your mind is probably it. Go, are you cheating, Watson? You are cheating. Uh, See, I'm just, that's, that's I'm why just double makes... checking. I got the right song. That's what. That's why double checking. I got the right song. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. You're disqualified. <laughs> no, I was making sure I got the right name of the song. <laughs> this is why the mixtape app is going to be super helpful. It's, it, this really was right. in Rolling Stone. Okay, are you ready gonna... for my song? Yes. Okay, I'm going with Cheeseburger in Paradise. Okay, and I because you did work outside the rules you and i'm not going to make Mark darcy do this but i think you owe us all a, a, at least singing one line of the song no oh, it's weak don't stop thinking about tomorrow i like that that's uplifting mm. and is that fleetwood mac that is is it so are those our, our choices i'm voting for darcy because i'm not voting for you because i think that <laughs> and for, you never vote for me i'm actually gonna vote for you I'm are you for the yeah Beatles. i'm voting for yeah, you too yes! actually because you you're smart. You came up with it quickly, and it, yes. it we let him win to the situation. Well, <sighs> you didn't bring it. You know what we need to do? We need to start a tally on our whiteboard. So on every episode, we'll put like no. We need to we start. It, we winners. need to do it on our Instagram page yeah, so everyone can follow it. But yeah. yeah, so no, this is cool. But this is you talk about people with grit. That was what. Re, well, first off, I, I I got this. You know, I have a history around music, and I got it. Like when Joel explained it to me. But with what we're doing, you've been to our suite events, trying to do something different. That's where we met him. He came hmm. to the Kiss concert. We did one of our oh sweet and greets. Oh, this is a Kansas City guy? This is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. And he's been at this for five years, and now it's really starting to come together. Cool. And he sold just literally just a maybe a couple hundred less of 50,000 of these in December. Of course, December, Christmas, stocking supper. Yeah. They perfect. went to Target and yeah. some other some other places, yeah. but now it's in Rolling Stone. We have an app coming out with it. I think Very this cool. is going to be really big and really popular. I have been, actually, I've been to two baby showers in the last two weeks. and they Did are, babies oh, like mixtape? They, well, they, they were using a... <laughs> Think of the think of the songs that have the word baby in them. Oh yeah. And it was interesting because generationally, you know, how people were thinking about different songs and it was a great learning experience between Hit Me Baby One More Time. That was not one of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my God. You re, you you went with Britney Spears. Yeah. Actually okay. I saw a, baby in it. I, I saw an Instagram yesterday of a baby that you put this thing up in the baby crib and they, their little feet, this is a two month old, their little feet can touch and it, and it plays a little song like, you know, and the kid loves the red one. I don't know if it's red or because he loves that song, but it's like banging that banging. Like, yeah. Introducing music early is yeah. good. Is... Yesterday when I was looking for an image of something else, when one of my books came out, I encouraged people that had bought them to send me pictures of them in interesting places, which really backfired on me because it really was like people were sending, they're like, dude, this book straightens out my crooked table leg. Great. 
or just like, <laughs> just like, Ouch. you know, just like stuff like oh that. They, like a lot of pictures of, of like drink coasters. Um, this helps my, me not burn my counter with a hot lasagna Dude, pan. I am now going to take but, your book with me to Cebu and take it to some interesting. That's fun, but photos. do it. And because it was funny, cause actually I goal. found, I found if someone had had a picture of their baby, like, like a three month old baby reading the book. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I felt good about I, that. I'm going to find the opposite of the million dollar bedroom at a house in the Philippines. And I'm going to take a picture mm. with your book. Mm. And I'm thinking creative. You know what? Entrepreneurship <laughs> and innovation can your... happen anywhere, Matt. Right. It doesn't. And by the way, the million dollar bedroom was, so you have familiarity of with course. Indianapolis. It was in a, I mean, my, I wasn't in like a great house. It was like a 1600 square foot house is in a really popular area of Andy, but I mean, we had creaky floors. We had a squirrel that was in the crawl space below it at one point. It was a chipmunk. Yeah. And I, I oh, don't get me started on that. So, but. so wait, how can people submit if they have a place they want to you know, photograph themselves with your book? Uh, well, you can pick the book up on Amazon or you, honestly, if you come by the office, we'll give you one. No, but I mean, but, but, yeah. but this photograph, this idea. Tag of... us on, on Instagram. Okay. Uh, yeah, to right. put the picture up, uh, tag at Startup Hustle Podcast, and, and we'll see it. And we're also now going to have to create a mixtape scoreboard, which we'll yeah, post. We'll have to do that stuff there. Um, it, so, if you want to find out more about what KC Rise does, you can go to kcrisefund.com, um, and that gives more in information about the investments that you do and some other stuff. Um, you guys participate and work with some really interesting and innovative companies. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, just check out what Darcy does just everywhere. Um, I, I want to say thanks. I really do. And I mean that because I, I have a passion for Kansas City and business and entrepreneurship the same way you do. My family's been in this town for like 150 years. Like I'm raising my family here. Like yeah, whatever. I mean, I do still want to buy an island somewhere, but I will come back to Kansas City uh, during at least the, a you know pied de terre here, a little something yeah, downtown. Yeah. It, well, and we were earlier. We were also talking, you know, and I got to keep up with Matt because once the podcast went into the top 100 on business podcasts on Apple, Watson went rock star on me. He's demanding a tour bus, a dressing room. Why do you? Once again, why do you need a live seahorse in your dressing well, room? Well, and it needs to be a green one. I thought you just needed three pounds of green M&Ms. Now you need a green seahorse. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got his. That's you guys are That's crushing it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you guys in, in, are in, uh, embolic of, what's the right word? In any way. Crazy? Yeah, with that too. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Reckless, Kansas stupid, unemployable. Why is Kansas City <laughs> getting cooler and growing these amazing businesses and all? It's not because the big corps are leading the way. There are some other cities where that's what the big corps are doing. It's because of guys like you, people Thanks. who are just getting off the sidelines and saying, wow, I can help do this. I, I can do a podcast. I can, I can have people in our suite and get people to know one another. And it's a lot about building that connectivity. And you guys are awesome at it. The suites, the suites have been fun, not only for us, but for our employees, for our families, for other people. Um, that was kind of a, I mean, that was a weird risk, you know, like I'm, uh, you know, Matt Expensive. is my business partner and everything. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we're going to spend all this money. And we're like, what? I'm like, I think it's going to work, which, you know, is clearly a definitive statement, I think, with a bunch of question marks. It worked. And yeah, yeah it, it worked. Did. It's been great. Yeah, it's been fun. And, and you know, it, it's been great. So, and by the way, if you're here in the region, go to fullscale.io, go to the contact page and submit your name, your business or someone else's. And we really do. Like I last week, I sent out an email that had, in, had booking links to 10 different events 
that, and I don't, I can't go to all of those, but there were baseball games, there were concerts, comedy events, all kinds of stuff at uh, different venues around town. And, you know, Big like, slick. I'm so sad I couldn't go. Yeah, that's tonight. We're going to a celebrity softball yeah, game. Softball. By, the, by the time this comes out, that will have already been in the past, but that's fun too. And, you know, so. Um, you Patrick know, Mahomes on the baseball team. No, I'm excited oh, to see man. that. Yeah. yeah. He says he, he wants to be in the outfield, Chag. He's a little concerned about his performance in the infield. So, uh, well, Matt, are you playing Mahomes. in the celebrity softball game today? You're not. I'm planning on maybe I can be the water boy. I'll be in next year's. Well, anyway, um, if you're listening, you like the show or if you don't like the show, I still like it. If you reach down and hit that fifth star on the ratings and reviews, leave a review. That's good. And we'll talk about you on the show. All right. Thank you. So see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.